Welcome to K2, whether you're online or whether you're here with us today. We're excited to be sharing this, these next few minutes together with you. And if you're not familiar with the Bible Project, that is such a great resource, BibleProject.com. And they just explain so much. But man, like that's a lot right there, right? And we're going to be looking at that today. We began a series last week uh, called Limitless. And Dave talked about embracing our own limitations and our own weaknesses in order to allow the Holy Spirit to work powerfully through us, okay? This week and for the next couple weeks, we're going to continue that by looking at some pretty important stuff. And uh, we're going to look at what I, I, in my opinion, is a very challenging and can be confusing part of the Bible, but I think it's one of the most important things for us to understand, and that is understanding the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Today, what we're going to be talking about is straightforward. I want every single person here today to know that the limitless power of the Holy Spirit is always available to everyone who believes in Jesus. That's what I want you to know, that the limitless power of the Holy Spirit is always available to everyone who believes in Jesus. That's a big statement because you can see what his power was able to do and much more. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at how that should impact your lives personally, but also how that uh, fact of the power of the Holy Spirit living in us should also affect the lives of those with whom our lives intersect. So that's where we're going today. Now, about 10 years ago, you guys uh, may remember there was a movie starring Bradley Cooper called Limitless. Now, this is a really interesting movie. If you haven't seen it, here's how it goes. And don't worry, I'm not going to ruin the ending for you. Uh, but seriously, 10 years, come on. Uh, so <laughs> the story goes like this. Uh, Bradley Cooper is this author who's struggling to finish a book. He's actually struggling to get started in a book. He's out of inspiration. He's out of ideas. He's stressed out. He's running out of money. He's he just emotionally capped. And then he runs into an old acquaintance who is a bad seed that was a guy he would buy drugs from in the past. This acquaintance of his is still selling drugs. However, he's selling a different kind of drug now. The new drug that he's selling doesn't get you high, it actually gives you access to 100% of your brain as opposed to the 20% that humans can access according to the movie. I'm not going to argue with you on the facts there, okay? That's the movie. It's a fascinating idea because think about, you know, no spoiler here, but like imagine, just imagine what would happen in your life, how revolutionary it would be if you had a five-fold ability to access your brain. Instead of 20%, you ac accessed 80% more of your brain. Well, if there was a pill that you could take that was legal, affordable, and had no adverse side effects, I would venture to say we probably all would want it, right? And the reason I believe that is because something I know about every single person that's here in the room, every, every person watching online, every person that has nothing to do with this moment, I know this about every single person in the world. We all have limitations, and we want to get past those limitations, right? Maybe you're looking around, you know, you see uh, this other family, and you're like, man, they just seem like such better parents than me. I don't know how to, I wish I could be a better parent. I don't know how to do it. Or you look at this, this other couple and you're like, 
man, their marriage is so happy. When I got married, I thought that's what our marriage is going to look like, but I, it doesn't, and I don't know how to get it like that. Or you're like, man, I'm at work, and everyone else is getting promotions and raises, and I'm not getting those. How come that is? I want the raise. I want the promotion. Or students, you know, maybe you're the college or high school, junior high, and you're like, I just need to get an A in this class, and I can't. And everyone else is getting A's. We're capped out and trying to do better. And here's the thing. It's because we're human. We aspire. We want to do better. We want to break through the caps that we have in our life. See, we have physical limitations. We have social limitations, status limitations, financial limitations, proficiency limitations, emotional limitations, career limitations, relational limitations, and we have spiritual limitations in our life. You know, you look around sometimes at other people and you, you look at them and you're like, you know, it just, I look at them and they just have such faith. Like, like, it seems so real to them. It just doesn't seem real to me. And I don't know how to make it more real or, or I don't know, they have these amazing stories of answered prayers and I don't really have those stories in my life and I don't know why. Or, or man, they just don't have the questions I have. I just have so many questions, right? And I want to be like that. I don't want to have those questions, but I don't know how. So let me ask you this question. If there was a pill you could take that was safe, not illegal, that would remove your spiritual limitations, wouldn't you want that as well? And here's where it gets crazy cool for me because Jesus told us that his limitless power is available to us. Look at John 14. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Hold on, who, 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 who can do greater works? So not, not a limited few, not most of you, not half of you. Anyone who believes can do these, limited th these unlimited things. But not even just what Jesus did, even greater things. Okay, that's a huge promise. That's an enormous promise. And he goes on, in the next verse he says, the reason you can do this is because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to petition on your behalf if you ask of anything in my name. And if, if I petition the Father, he'll do it because it'll bring glory to him. And here's his promise. Just a couple verses later he says, and I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or helper, counselor, encourager in some, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He's saying, I'm going to send a Holy Spirit. I'm petitioning on your behalf if you ask something, and I'm sending a Holy Spirit who you already know, but he's going to take up residency within you. So at this point, I'm guessing the disciples are going, what is he talking about? Maybe you are too kind of wondering, how, how is this supposed to happen? Well, this happens in this event that we just saw the video of, Pentecost. We find the story in Acts chapter 2, and I just want to read this. I'm going to read this story, and I, I'd love for you to read along with me. If you don't have your Bibles, it's fine. You can uh, just read my lips as we silently read together. No, it'll be up on the screens. But I'm going to read this story to you, 
And uh, just, I want you to notice how amazing these things are, okay? On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty wind, and it filled the house they were, where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our, our own native language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped, I love the reality of like the Bible. Now they're drunk. Keep moving. But Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. The people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is too early for that. I guess 9.30 would be fine or 10, but not 9 o'clock, right? We all know that. Anyway, and it goes to the end of the chapter, verse 41, and it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about how many? 3,000 people. Wow. So here's a really interesting, lost my place here, sorry, uh, Here's a really interesting thing that I want you to know. Jesus is not offering some sort of like new thing in terms of the Holy Spirit finally being able to work or being revealed to us. He, the Holy Spirit has been at work in, in, since the beginning of time. We see his presence hovering over the water at creation. We see in the Old Testament how he showed up and... Uh, uh, came upon warriors and prophets and, and judges so that they could do extraordinary, uh, they had extraordinary power to do things they wouldn't be able to do on their own. And then, he, interestingly, he, uh, if you remember the king, king Saul, the first king of Israel who, who had the spirit with him, but then the spirit left him. And what, what, the, what we're learning about this is that there's a new way that the Spirit is going to work in that the Spirit is not going to be bound by physical limitations of the tabernacle or the temple. Those fire flames that appeared on them was the symbol that the Holy Spirit was now going to be living in us with full access all the time to that power. And that's pretty amazing. In Luke... Chapter 24, Jesus speaking, he says this. And this is right at the end before he's ready to go away. And there's a couple, couple things he says I'm going to share with you that I want you to understand. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And this event, the promised coming of the Holy Spirit to fill us, happened on this day of Pentecost. Okay? And let me just... 
really quickly, I just want to share with you, uh, not in great detail, but understand this. People of Israel had celebrations where they would always celebrate. And there are three really, uh, these three celebrations that were happening all in this time. The first was uh, the Passover feast, which beckoned back to the Israelites being captive in, in Egypt. But they would celebrate that. Jesus had just celebrated that, the Last Supper. And then after that, the first day uh, of the new week after Passover was this thing called Festival of First Fruits. And then 50 days after that was what was called the Festival of Harvests. The Greek word is, is uh, Pentecost, and it means 50. That's where it came from. But it was a festival, and that's where all these people were in town. And here's what's happened if we go back. We just celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. If you go back, this is what's happened in the life of Jesus and the disciples. Uh, He celebrated the famous Last Supper. Supper. He went out that night and was arrested. He was uh, tried bogusly, if that's a word. And then he was crucified. He died. He rose again. And then he starts appearing to his disciples in these 50 days before Pentecost. And he makes some promises to them. And uh, Matthias had replaced Judas as the disciple. He became the new 12th disciple. And he gives them some final instructions, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples in all the land. This is what's happening in these 50 days. And then he's about ready to leave the earth. He's going to ascend into heaven. He has one last thing he wants to tell them. And the last thing recorded about what Jesus says to his disciples is this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then they return to Jerusalem and wait until the day of Pentecost comes. And they're celebrating the Feast of Harvest when this amazing thing happens. And here's what's interesting about this verse. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. This becomes the outline for the whole book of Acts. It's written following this pattern. And it's not only the outline for the book of Acts, it's the outline for the history of the church leading to us today. The first seven chapters focus on Peter witnessing to Jerusalem. It's about about two years of time covered there. And it shows some pretty amazing stuff. He gets arrested. Remember Peter, the coward who wouldn't even admit that he knew Jesus. Now he's preaching boldly. He's arrested. And they're like, dude, you better knock it off. He's like, I'm not gonna. And they're like, okay, well, let him go. This is a different Peter. He's changed now. But during this time, you have this, this uh, religious leader, his name is Saul, and he's convinced that he's got to take down this religious faith of Christianity, and he's persecuting it. And we see in the first seven chapters, he presides over the death of Stephen's stoning. That's the first seven chapters as the Jewish church is established. And then what happens? Philip kind of takes over, and he starts preaching over the next 13 years. And Peter continues preaching, but over the next 13 years to the surrounding areas of the Mediterranean Rim, Judea and Samaria, where the the Samaritans lived. And those were the half Jewish, half not Jewish people. And and, uh, Saul gets converted during this time. He ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And we have this amazing account of a second kind of Pentecost with Cornelius who is uh, a leader in the Italian regiment, and he's trying to pray to understand 
uh, and he's having these visions because he's trying to understand what, what God is about. And then Paul, at the same time, is led by the Holy Spirit. He interacts with Cornelius. He witnesses to them with a bunch of people, and they're all filled with the Spirit of God, and they begin speaking in tongues. And it says, no one could argue that the faith of Christianity was, no, it was for Gentiles as well. So now we see it expanding further in the Mediterranean Rim. And then, then, for the next 14 years, Paul takes it to the end of the earth. And that's the reason that all of us here in America can freely pursue Jesus in a relationship with him. And Christianity continued to spread. It's the stories of Paul's missionary journey around all that area and beyond. And here's what I want you to understand, and this is so important, so, so important. In Christian religious theology world, there's a lot of debate about some of the miraculous giftings of tongues and how do they work today? How, you know, are they still valid? Are they not valid? Here's the answer. I'm not going to tell you that. What I want you to focus on, and this is one of the problems, because people way smarter than me have been arguing about this for years and they can't agree. So let me just tell you this. The point of the manifestation of tongues in this passage, the point of the miraculous giftings was not about me having the gift itself. It was about me receiving power to do something I cannot do on my own that would revolutionize the world, which is why the whole book of Acts expresses this amazing story of a dead and resurrected Jesus changing the world, and that same power is available to you to be part of changing the world we live in for the kingdom of God. That's the point in these passages. Peter was no longer the cursing denier of knowing Jesus. He was the fearless proclaimer of the wonders of Jesus. He was the rock, not the coward. So, you may be sitting there going, great story, bro. It's not what my life looks like. Let me see. Who wants to raise their hand and say their life doesn't look? Don't, don't do that. Because <laughs> we'd all raise our hand, likely. And so the question we need to answer is really straightforward. So if Jesus is promising that we can do the things that he did and will do greater things, and the Holy Spirit is now dwelling in me, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit, which raised him from the dead, why does my life not look like that? And I think there's one of two answers. The first is this, because we're still depending on our own human strength and not the limitless power of the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't hear last week's message, go back and listen to that. But I want to I just tell you a little story. It's kind of a funny story. Uh, one day, Susie and I were sitting in our front room. We hear bang on our door, and we're kind of freaked out. It's late at night, you know. Well, we're, anyway, late at night, and we're like, I don't know. No one ever comes to a door. What's going on? So we go, and I look, and I see an envelope there, and on my front yard is a brand, well, not a brand new, but new-to-me car with, a, with a, an envelope with a key and a note saying, hey, meet me, come to uh, this car dealership at whatever time, and let's get the paperwork in your hand. I'm like, that's amazing. 
Amazing car. My kids actually referred to that car as the awesome car. And so I drove it for a while, great car, and then it got stolen. Not as awesome, if you're wondering. Um, and uh, I don't know, three weeks later, the car is recovered. Awesome. Reverse doesn't work. Not awesome. Insurance won't pay for it. More not awesome. The cost to repair the reverse was more than the car was worth. Even more, most unawesome. But I decided, I think I can still use this car. <laughs> not even joking. So I just had to be smart. When I'm driving around, I get to a parking lot, I'd have to go like through a pull-through where I'd be out and I could just go forward. Or like I'd park, oh no, I can park in reverse because this is on an incline. <laughs> right? And I'd roll, put it, in, put it in neutral and it'd just roll back. Fine. So, this is, I'm just telling the truth. I'm not really proud of the story, okay? Just let me just say that. Anyway, um, so then one day I decided I, I, I went to play golf at Mulligan's over here. You know, I'm not good, so I went to this course. It's a little short, nine holes. I'm listening to my radios. I'm pulling in, and I pull in the parking spot, and just as I stop the car and put it in gear, I realize I've parked on a steep, nose-forward, you know, decline with a curb in front of me. So... <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I'll just go do the golf anyway. So I play golf, I come back, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I literally, I'm trying to figure this out. I get out of the car, I start it, I put it in neutral. I open my door, I'm standing with the door jam here, and I'm rocking the car, trying to get it up over the hump. I'm just trying to get it up. And finally, I get it, it crests this mound and starts rolling back, and these are really narrow, like, between this set of cars parked and me, and it's rolling towards this other set of cars. I have to jump in and jam on the brakes, then I just pulled away like everything was fine. And I decided in that moment, this doesn't work. I need a new car. I tell you that story because cars are designed to go in reverse. And my Fred Flintstone version, I would literally sometimes have to open the door and like back my car up like that. I'm relying on my own power to do what the car should be doing on its own. And that's how so many of us live our Christian lives, relying on our power rather than the power of the Spirit to do the spiritual. That's the first thing. If we're relying on our own power, we're not going to have those amazing stories. Second thing is, some of you here this morning, I want to talk about both of these in just a second, but some of you here this morning have never accepted Jesus into your life, so you absolutely are spiritually powerless because you do not have access to that power. So let me just share five quick things, five really quick things. If you want to know how can I de you know, de depend on the Spirit rather than trust in my own strength, how do I know if I'm doing that? Here are five things. The first is this, read it. I read it, and I'm talking about the Bible. Look at this. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the sword, or the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you want to know if what you're thinking about doing is in alignment with the spirit, 
check first, does it align with God's word? It's called, you call the Bible the sword of the spirit. And it says right here, you can decide that. You can determine that through reading the word. So if you're not reading God's word, you're gonna have a challenging time. That's the first thing, read it. The second thing, talk about it. Or maybe I should have said pray about it. In the same way, Romans 8, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We already learned that Jesus is in heaven interceding on our behalf when we ask anything in his name, and the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. And if we want to live in his Spirit, maybe we should check in with the Spirit every once in a while. And here's what I'll tell you. In every situation all day, I'm trying to train myself, and I would encourage you to do the same. When you enter into this moment, say, okay, Holy Spirit, what, what should I do? What do you need me to do? What do you want me to know right now? What needs to happen? So pray about it. Talk about it. Read it. Talk about it. The third thing is inspect it. Galatians 5 gives us the, the, the characteristics of what the Spirit produces, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you're thinking of doing something or you're doing something and it's not producing those things, you can rest assured if it's not producing the fruit of the Spirit, it's not being led by the Spirit. So when you're not sure, inspect it. The fourth thing, do it. Just do it. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not just hearers. One of the things that's a problem for us is we view the Bible as a textbook when it's actually a field manual. It tells us what we should be doing in situations, not just what to learn about a situation. How do we actually live? And here's the thing, don't expect the grandiose flames of fire and speaking in unknown languages if you won't pick up your socks after your wife has asked you a thousand times from here to here and put them in the hamper. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit, say yes to everything he asks of you. Not just the ones you like, which is the fourth. Don't fight it. And band, you guys can come forward. Don't fight it. We just... Look at Galatians 5, 16. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. One of the struggles we have in trying to follow the Spirit, he asks us to do something. We're like, no, but I don't want to do that one. That one's too hard. I want the fire thing in my head again. Read it, talk about it, inspect it, do it. Don't fight it. Those five things. And then, so if you've received Jesus, you have that power inside of you. You just need to allow him to work in you. And we're going to pray here as we close. And I'm going to pray with both groups. This other group that I talked about, some of you have not yet accepted Jesus into your heart. You've not asked him to be your Lord. You've not asked to receive his power. We're going to do that today. And I want to ask you guys, will you do this? Will you stand up with me? I want to just lead us in a closing prayer. And the band is going to close with a song. Would you close your eyes? And Lord Jesus, you, you have offered unlimited power in our lives. 
And uh, so often we try and drive our car with our own feet instead of letting you be our transmission. So I, I, I want you to pray this. Holy Spirit, what are you asking? What are you trying to reveal to me right now? Ask the Holy Spirit. What are you saying right now that you want me to know? Is there something I'm doing that I need to stop doing? Are you telling me to stop doing something and I'm not? Are you telling me to start doing something that I'm not doing? Reveal that to me right now. I want your power in my life. For those of you who've never actually received Jesus into your heart, I want to I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. Just do this in your head. Repeat after me. Jesus, I'm lost without you and I'm powerless without you. I need you in my life. I need your power. I need your limitless power of the Holy Spirit. It's available to me all the time. I ask you into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. I ask you into my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. I want to believe in you. I ask you to come into my heart right now. If you just prayed that, just know this, you just received the power of the Spirit. And now you can live limitless lives as we submit to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your love, Jesus. And I'll just say this, if any of you have prayed that prayer, I want to talk with you over here after service. I'm going to pray with you, help you get going in the right direction, take some first steps. Jesus, we ask this all in your name. Amen.